and welcome to Nothing Ever Happens in Canada, but we know this is simply not true. This is a Canadian podcast about the myths, legends, and just good old stories Canada has to tell. I'm Canadian Girl. Thanks for joining me today as we look at the tale about the famous Gimli Glider and its unbelievable landing and landing spot. But first, a little business stuff, like always. But I promise I'll keep it short as I feel like with everything going on out there right now, I know it's hard for all of us to support anything but ourselves and our families. If you are enjoying these adventures with me and want to go on so many more, please let me know by leaving a review or comment in the app you're listening on. Like Ghost Lyric just did on Podchaser.com. Thank you, Ghost Lyric. Your sweet comment made my day. This awesome gesture from you allows this show to move around on the podcast charts so we can meet more awesome adventurers just like you to join our crew. One more thing, make sure you hit that subscribe button and join the crew today so you don't miss out on any of our adventures, especially during these quarantine days. Too shy to leave a comment? Or you don't have an app that will let you do that? Please share your favorite adventure on your social media channels, especially right now, so your friends can leave the house and join the crew today on one of our great adventures. Have you been to the Nothing Canada souvenir shop yet? Here you can find all the quarantine goods you need to stay comfy and sane. There's t-shirts, sweatshirts, journals to write in, mugs to sip your favorite beverage, and even some real comfy blankets. Head over to the Nothing Canada souvenir shop today and grab a souvenir from your favorite Canadian girl adventure. The link to the Nothing Canada souvenir shop can be found at nothingcanada.com or in the show notes below. The last and final way to help this show is by donation. Your kind and generous donations are what keep this channel moving forward. I thank all my crew members for all your amazing support. You can find the link to our PayPal button in the show notes below or at nothingcanada.com. One more thing before I let you go and get on this flight today. If you have any requests for stories you'd like me to cover right now while you're stuck in the house, you can always reach me at the handle at Nothing Canada on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you prefer good old email, it's CanadianGirl2319 at gmail.com. Again, it's CanadianGirl2319 at gmail.com. Before we take off on this flight today, I just wanted to stop and say a little bit about that nasty virus that's lurking outside of all our doors. Now this isn't just a Canadian problem, or a North American problem, it's a worldwide problem, and it's affecting all of us. I just wanted to take a minute and say, I see you all adventurers, from Tokyo, Paris, Milan, Sicily, Madrid, Barcelona, England, Wales, Seoul, Queensland, Wellington, Mexico City, California, Texas, Washington, New York, 
and all across our beloved Canada. I want you all to keep going on these adventures with me. So please stay safe, stay home, wash your hands, respect social distancing, and most importantly, keep in touch with yourself. Mental health is so important during these very isolating times. We are all feeling very lonely and very vulnerable right now. Reach out to anyone if you are feeling down. That's what social media is for, to keep us all connected. And if you yourself see someone who may be logged off right now and very quiet, reach out to them. Check on them by phoning, texting, video calling, sending a funny meme. There's tons out there right now. We are all in this together, my friends. And I'm always just an email away at CanadianGirl2319 at gmail.com. Our story starts at the Montreal Dorval International Airport on Saturday, July 23rd, 1983. We are just about ready to take off when there seems to be some words exchanged between the captain and the ground's crew. Unknowingly to all of us passengers on board at the time, there was a slight discrepancy going on about how much fuel was needed to make the entire flight. You see, our aircraft is a newer model Boeing 767 and runs on the new metric measuring system, one of the first metric planes to fly in Canada, in fact, not the old imperial system that some countries are still using today. At the time, Canada was just switching over to the metric system, so this had caused some confusion between the grounds crew and the captain at the time of fueling, an error that will catch up to us later in the story. Captain Robert Pearson, who was 48 years old at the time, and First Officer Maurice Quintel, who was 36 years old, were in charge of our flight today. Captain Pearson has over 15 hours flying experience and is a glider pilot as well. He's considered to be a very experienced pilot. First Officer Quintel has over 7,000 flying hours experience at the time of the flight and is considered to be a great pilot. We made our way down the runway and took off towards Ottawa for a quick stop at the McDonald Cartier International Airport to grab a few more passengers, and then off we would go en route to our final destination, Edmonton, Alberta. There were 69 people total on board the flight that day, 61 passengers and 8 flight crew members. In the end, there would only be 10 injuries in total and zero fatalities. That's pretty amazing considering this plane is about to run out of fuel and start to fall from the sky at about 2,000 feet a minute, but we're not quite at that part just yet. On July 22, 1983, just one day before this same Air Canada Boeing 767 flew from Toronto, Ontario to Edmonton, Alberta and had routine checks done and all seemed to be running as it should be. On July 23rd, the same aircraft left Edmonton, Alberta for Montreal, Quebec and had now completed a crew change. This is where we all get on. Here information was passed on to the captain that there is an issue with the flight's fuel gauge. Both pilots were aware of the issue and instead of reporting it, decided to calculate things out the old-fashioned way. They manually entered the amount of fuel 
told to them by the Montreal grounds crew into the onboard computer. This would be another critical mistake that will catch up to this flight real soon. Remember that confusion I told you about at the beginning of our flight between the captain and the grounds crew? It had a lot to do with this fuel gauge not working. But just hang on to that thought for a couple more minutes. It was a hot summer day and all seemed to be going well and they were making good time on the flight when all of a sudden the low fuel pressure light comes on indicating there was an issue on the left side of the plane. Captain Pearson simply turned off the left fuel pump with no worry at all and continued on flying. The flight was at 41,000 feet high above in the sky, midway through the flight, over Red Lake, Ontario, which is 500 kilometers or 332 miles northwest of Thunder Bay, Ontario. When all the plane's fuel warning lights came on, Captain Pearson knew something was up, but he was very confused as to what. He quickly let the passengers on board know there would be a delay in the flight. The strange thing was, nothing made sense to him as all seemed to be fine according to the onboard computer where the fuel for the aircraft had been entered manually and incorrectly, something the captain did not know yet. It had been entered as pounds from the old imperial system instead of the kilograms it needed to be using for the metric system. Long story short, this aircraft had only about half the amount of fuel it needed to make this flight. Just after shutting off the left side fuel pump, the plane began to drop. It was at about 35,000 feet now in the air when the right side would shut down all on its own. The two pilots immediately decided to head towards Winnipeg to make an emergency landing. It's every airplane passenger's worst nightmare, to be honest, running out of fuel in the middle of the sky. The sad part, because this was a new plane with a new operating manual, as the pilots scrambled through it trying to figure out what to do, they came to find there was no section in the new operations manual explaining what to do in the case of both engines failing. It was also never covered in any of their training. The two pilots quickly got in touch with air traffic control in Winnipeg, who advised them to make their way there, a feat that was truthfully impossible to make. They decided to try and start the engines again. The cockpit computer flashed a warning with loud sounds that read, all engines are out. And then they heard what they described as a loud bong sound, a sound both pilots had never heard before. Then the entire plane went completely black, all the lights in the cabin were off, and there was no noise at all from the plane. It was eerily silent. The passengers all now knew something was very wrong. The good news is, our pilot today, Captain Robert Pearson, was a very experienced glider pilot, techniques that were almost never used in the commercial flight world. Using his backup instruments, First Officer Quintel would calculate whether they could make it to Winnipeg with the help of air traffic controllers in Winnipeg, who were still able to measure the aircraft's radar echo. 
The aircraft had lost 5,000 feet or 1,500 meters in just 10 nautical miles. That's about 19 kilometers or 12 miles per hour. This info would provide Captain Pearson with the glide ratio he needed to calculate his descent and make this landing. Knowing they could not make it to Winnipeg, which was the only suggestion air traffic control had given them at the time, First Officer Quintel suggested his old Gimli Air Force Base just outside of Gimli, Manitoba. He had once served there, it was just 90 kilometers or 55 miles northwest of Winnipeg. Their plan was set in motion as Air Canada Flight 143 would glide its way into an old Royal Canadian Air Force Base just outside of Gimli, Manitoba. As the track came into view, there seemed to be something strange around the runway and on it. As the plane glided in lower, Officer Quintel looked out the window in horror as his old Air Force base had been turned into some kind of campsite. There were trailers, campers, tents, and worst of all, people everywhere around the old landing strip. Even worse, there was two or three young boys, depending on which story you read, riding down the runway, just 1,000 feet or 300 meters from the plane's targeted landing spot. All Officer Quintel could do at this point was pray for them and everybody else in the area. The plane was coming in. Making matters worse, there was no warning for the crowd on the ground. Because both engines were down, the plane was gliding in, making very little noise at all. Captain Pearson was so focused on the runway and gliding the jumbo piece of metal in safely, he did not notice what Officer Quintel had, which was probably for the better. What he did see was there was a huge, unexpected guardrail on his landing strip. It was too late to do anything about it. The plane was coming down and was coming down now. What air traffic and first officer Quintel didn't know is that the old Air Force base had been taken over and turned into a racetrack and today was family day at the track for the Gimli Motorsports Park. A fun-filled family event with drag racing, a road race course and go-karting for the kids hosted by the Winnipeg Sports Car Club. The captain would use what was known as a gravity drop Having no power on the plane, this would allow the landing gear to drop into place and lock. But for some reason, the nose gear did not, which worked to the plane's advantage during the actual landing by slowing the plane down as the nose of the plane came down hard and skidded along the unexpected guardrail in the center of the track and caused sparks to fly everywhere, adding to the spectacular landing. As the Boeing 767 came down on a little racetrack in the middle of nowhere, Manitoba. We hit with a thump, Captain Pearson told the National Post. When he looked up, he saw the boys on the bikes, maybe 1,000 feet or 300 meters away, just down the runway, and the look of terror on their faces is something Captain Pearson says he will never forget as he brought the plane down. The plane came to rest just meters away from the crowds camping along the runway and only 17 minutes after Air Canada Flight 143 had run out of fuel over 225 kilometers or 140 miles away from where they have landed now. 
There was so much smoke inside the plane due to a fire that had started in the nose, Captain Pearson ordered the crew to get everyone off the plane immediately. The fire was quickly put out by go-kart racers who had just been using the runway moments before and had fire extinguishers at the ready. Captain Pearson and First Officer Quintel had successfully landed the Boeing 767 without any working engines on an old Air Force runway being used as a go-kart track and everyone on board survived. There were only 10 minor injuries in total and most happened while exiting the plane as the back of the plane was almost three stories in the air with the nose going down the way it did. If that isn't an aviation miracle that doesn't deserve to be made into a Hollywood movie, then I don't know what is. There is actually talks that it just may be one day. There's an 11-page script that has been seen by the captain himself from an LA-based director, but it has not gone any further than that as far as anyone knows. Just two days later, the aircraft was repaired and flown to Winnipeg for more repairs. After the repairs were done in Winnipeg, she would continue to fly for almost 25 years and flew her last flight on January 1st, 2008. Today she is famously known as the Gimli Glider. To see pictures from that day, amazing YouTube videos, and even one that has one of the original bike boys and his bike, please visit nothingcanada.com under the show notes section to see them or, of course, the links are always in the show notes below. So how did this all happen? Human error is to blame 100%. The fuel measurements were mixed up due to a change from the imperial system to the metric system that was happening in Canada at the time. They needed 22,300 kilograms of fuel for the flight and used the wrong combination to convert the fuel they needed from the imperial system to the metric system. They added only 4,917 more liters which they had calculated to equal 22,300 pounds of fuel that they thought they needed for the flight. This error was also manually put into the flight management computer system on board, causing the amount of fuel to be read wrong right from takeoff. It was not 22,300 pounds they needed, it was kilograms. And because pounds was used, this gave them only half the amount of fuel that was needed for the flight. On October 4, 1983, just under three months later, Captain Pearson and First Officer Quintel were disciplined by Air Canada for allowing the tragedy to happen. Captain Pearson was demoted for six months by Air Canada, and First Officer Quintel was suspended for two weeks. Also, three maintenance workers were also suspended regarding the incident. Flight crews were later given the same scenario on a flight simulator in Vancouver, and not one of the crews could land the plane safely. They all crashed. The Aviation Safety Board of Canada stated Air Canada management was responsible for the corporate equipment and they had neglected to assign clearly and specific the responsible calculation of fuel in an abnormal situation. More training on fuel and the metric system was needed for pilots and ground crew members. They went on to commend the flight and cabin crews for their professionalism and skill. These findings were published in April 1985, two years after the incident.
So what happened after all this? In 1987, a stamp was made in Canada to commemorate the event. In 1989, First Officer Maurice Quintel was promoted to captain. Captain Pearson would fly for 10 more years with Air Canada until 1993 when he retired and moved to South Korea where he started flying for Asian Airlines for just two years and then he retired for good in 1995 after 38 years of flying. There was also a TV movie made in 1995 loosely based on the event called Falling from the Sky. In 2008, the Discovery Channel and National Geographic TV series Mayday covered the incident. On January 24, 2008, the famous Gimli Glider flew her final voyage from Montreal Trudeau Airport to her final resting spot in the Mojave Desert in California. On this iconic flight for the famous Gimli Glider, Captain Pearson, Captain Quintel, and three of the original flight attendants from Flight 143 were all on board. For the 25th anniversary of the incident in July 2008, pilots Pearson and Quintel were honored with a parade in Gimli, Manitoba, and a beautiful mural was dedicated to the event. In April 2013, a company who owns the retired famous Gimli glider tried to sell it at an auction but had no such luck. In 2014, it was reported that the famous Gimli glider had been scrapped, but parts of its metal had made its way to a company which made it into luggage tags, which can be purchased from the California Motor Art Company. I have not looked into this myself, just something I read online. In 2017, a permanent museum was opened in Gimli, Manitoba to celebrate and commemorate the event. There is a model of the cockpit with a flight simulator objects from the plane, and uniforms from that famous day. And of course, it sells memorabilia. The museum is located at the Lakeview Resort and Conference Center. You can see pictures of the museum at nothingcanada.com or in the show notes. Captain Quintel has sadly passed away, but Captain Pearson lives on a farm between Ottawa and Montreal just north of Alexandria, Ontario. Even sweeter, in 2013, during the 30th reunion for the famous Gimli Glider event, Captain Pearson would meet one of the passengers from Flight 143 that day named Pearl Dion, and the pair instantly fell in love. All I can say is this adventure has been a flight I'll never forget, not only did we run out of gas in mid-flight, in mid-air, we managed to find our way to an abandoned Air Force base. We were lucky enough to have such an amazing pilot, he glided us all safely into the middle of a family day celebration at the racetrack, all while three little boys raced out of our way as we came in on the runway to a screeching halt. The famous Gimli Glider is a legend in Manitoba and was among the Air Canada pilots and grounds crew from that moment on. She was treated with extra care, often having her tires shined up extra nice and many coats of fresh paint, though they were never ordered by Air Canada. More importantly, she never ran out of fuel ever again. 
the plane that glided over 200 kilometers or 125 miles with no engines at all, thanks to the skills of a very talented glider pilot, Captain Robert Pearson, and his first mate, Maurice Quintel. She now lives on in aviation history to soar the Canadian skies forever as our famous Gimli Glider. I'm Canadian Girl. Until next time, my crew members. This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com. You guys who always listen to the very, very end, you're the best kind of people out there. Remember to practice social distancing right now, wash those hands, and most importantly, stay home as much as you can, my friends, so we can keep going on all these amazing adventures with all our crew members. Stay safe, friends. We can do this together.